and Radio Cape Pulpit listeners, this morning it is uh, me, Mark Penrith, your host, listening to Table Talk with Mark. Uh, I have not got my partner in crime, Table Pitzel, with me today. Um, I braved the icy cold weather of Bononi, hit the road at uh, 8 o'clock and drove through to Pretoria in order to be in staff together with you. Um, and uh, I left Teppo behind. <laughs> he is busy prepping uh, in order to preach this Sunday. So I, I'm missing him today. But I am glad to be with you. A shout out to everyone tuning in from Benoni and from Pretoria and Johannesburg and Gauteng and Pofada and Cape Town and even further afield recognizing that there's people from all over the country and from what I understand, even all over the world listening in this morning. It's great to have you with us. Table Talk is your opportunity to join the conversation. We will be answering, when I say we, I use the royal we there, it's just me. Um, I'll be answering your questions and answers on air this morning. So as we have this conversation, please do engage with me. Uh, send through your questions that you might have, the comments on the conversation uh, that are on your mind. And how might you do that? You ask, rightly so. Well, firstly, uh, we are on WhatsApp and Telegram. You can phone in on 082-657-2729. Love voice notes. Get those rolling in. You can join the conversation on Facebook. We're currently live streaming to Facebook. I see the link has been posted. Our Facebook page is Radio Pulpit Radio Console. And if you type in comments down below, I get to see them right here in studio. Um, so you can send in comments that way. If you are a tweeter, if you are a twit, I don't know what the what, what the, the, the noun is for a person who spends their life on Twitter. Um, the handle is at 657am and you can communicate with with us that way as well. We have a studio line at Radio Pulpit. The number is 012-334-1322. And this morning, uh, you could call in and speak to me live on air uh, as well. Actually, why don't you just take this moment and say, how's it from whatever platform you are using and from wherever you are in the country? I would love to know where you're uh, engaging with us from um, say hi in the comments or say hi via whatsapp and include the current temperature wherever you're at when i left this morning it was minus four degrees can you believe it that is so cold we are about to speak to michael swain and hear the state of the nation Michael is the executive director of 4SA. He studied law abroad. He has been successful in business. He's the co-founder of the His People Every Nation Church Movement in South Africa. Um, Michael is also a friend. The organization that he is speaking on behalf of this morning is 4SA, which is Freedom of Religion South Africa. It's a legal advocacy organization working to protect and promote your constitutional rights and freedoms in South Africa. Michael, tell me it's chilly in Cape Town or is it like sunny and wonderful? Uh, you're heading to the beach after this. Yeah, you got it in one, Mark. I mean, sunny, wonderful, and I'm heading for the beach. Oh, it's just, it's just <laughs> absolutely crazy. You guys have everything done in Cape Town. I'm just kidding. But it, but it's good to hear your voice. My, Michael, I, you and I chatted um, on uh, via WhatsApp yesterday, and uh, as we were communicating, you gave me some very concerning information 
Um, in, in actual fact, even the information that you passed on, I've spoken to a couple of my friends about um, a number of people really concerned about what you said. Uh, I, I think this is a kind of conversation that the hearers of Radio Pulpit would like to be keyed into. Um, and so maybe you can just repeat um, uh, some of the conversation that we had yesterday. Oh, thank you, Mark. Well, look, obviously, as everybody is well aware, there's been the most terrible unrest in the nation, looting, violence. And as a consequence of that, a meeting took place between the minister, uh, sorry, the president, rather, and many um, senior religious leaders. And essentially what the president was doing there was to ask religious leaders to help to bring the situation under control, because obviously there is uh, a very important role for the faith community, always in a crisis. Uh, government calls upon the faith community and bringing not just the right level of prayer and and teaching and, and obviously, you know, pushing back in a sense against the lawlessness that was taking place through the moral um, authority of, of religious organizations, but also then the practical help, the, the, the fact that food has run out and people are literally starving and uh, suffering from no blankets and no shelter and that sort of thing. And, so and he asked maybe the just to confirm, Michael, to do that. And sorry, the, just the to break, consequence of that. Just to break in, maybe just to confirm, the meeting that was held was like it was last week, Tuesday or Wednesday. I mean, it was it was well before, um, let's say, the weekend. It was well before uh, Sunday. Yes. No, absolutely correct. And and as a consequence of that, um, regulations, because we're obviously living under lockdown level regulations, were adjusted because as there has been a total ban, of course, that means that all religious gatherings are illegal, in fact, criminal, liable to six months jail sentence. So there was then an adjusted regulation which came out basically to say that religious uh, gatherings could take place to just deal with emergency matters. But unfortunately, what happened um, thereafter was that a second regulation came out saying that these emergency matters must be those that impact on the management, treatment, and prevention of the COVID-19 pandemic. So people did go ahead with that. But of course, the problem was that faith-based gatherings remained prohibited and criminal. So there was complete confusion. And Again, the unfortunate consequence of that was that although uh, some meetings, in fact, many meetings did take place, the message obviously hadn't filtered down in all cases to the police who showed up at various churches, threatened arrest. Some of them, uh, and I've seen the videos, were violently disrupted by the police. And of course, this is simply completely unhelpful because, as as you can imagine, we have enough problem. Uh, in this country in any event without that type of thing taking place and I think that it was also very egregious to many people because the police were notably absent during the looting and the rioting and yet they came and disrupted religious gatherings basically which the president seemingly or at least it was understood had requested so th that was a problematic and again when you contrast and compare that to the fact that in the meantime, of course, restaurants remained open, gyms remained open for 50 people, and yet religious gatherings are illegal. So we and many religious leaders, there are two letters. There's an open letter to the president from 
many, many uh, signatories. We, we've literally got over 50 signatories now representing probably close to 16, 17 million people have now written to the president saying to the president, please, before you speak again on Sunday, please clarify the situation because it is simply counterproductive to what the president himself apparently has asked the faith community to do. And secondly, what we're also saying is that, look, the, even the unfairness, if you like, the discriminatory aspect of allowing certain gatherings to take place. Uh, th think of it. Restaurants are open literally, you know, all day. Um, gyms are open all day. They're okay. You can have up to 50 people there. They don't even wear masks in restaurants. Yet you can't have a two-hour church service once a week uh, with the same number of people with all the social distancing and health protocols in place. Now, we're, again, we're not saying that you should open even if you can. But that's obviously the choice of a religious leader. But the fact that there is such an evident discrepancy, and now, of course, as has also been uh, widely and publicly acknowledged and scientifically proven, the infection rates, the death rates, are probably half what they were in the second wave, by the way. But all those rates are in any event coming down. And so we believe that this is actually time, particularly given this uh, very urgent crisis that the nation is facing mm -hmm for religious gatherings to open up to 50% of the capacity of the venue, obviously subject to the compliance with all the COVID-19 protocols. And that's what we have written to the president's request. And we're again hoping that when he speaks on Sunday, he's going to uh, roll back uh, some of these very restrictive measures that are causing such confusion. Mm. And and maybe just to, just to point out, because you and I have been talking for a while, I've been listening to what you say, you're certainly not antagonistic towards the state. Uh, I mean, I've, I've heard you many times uh, recognize the realities of the difficulties that the state is facing, uh, recognize the, the complexities of their decision-making process and the constraints in which they are working in. I mean, we, we, we appreciate all these things. But at the same time, um, we are looking at the disparity between the way that the church is currently being treated and the way that other sections of the population are being treated in terms of business. Um, and it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't equate um, uh, the church, which is which is. Uh, let's not just even say generally, but but is law-abiding uh, and seeks for the good of the state is being constrained in ways that other sections of our population aren't being constrained, and and that is an issue. I mean, uh, it's 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 right for us to to raise our hand and and wave a flag and say, hang on, th th there's a problem here. No, absolutely, and I think that the issue is really the government must base its decisions on science because there has to be a very good reason to obviously curtail fundamental rights guaranteed by the Constitution. Mm. But it must also do that in a way that is equitable. It, it, it cannot justify, we don't believe, um, the rationale behind allowing certain gatherings to open up and certain you know, very similar gatherings uh, to open up, or to not open up, to ban mm. them completely. And you know, when you see that type of disparity, then that is where the problem lies. And you know, government has used the rationale of, well, we have to find the balance between lives and livelihood. But you know, you can't simply say that faith is an irrelevant thing. We must basically ban it completely. Faith is not important, but you know, the, com the commercial aspect of opening a restaurant or joining a gym or exercising is, th that simply does not make sense. And frankly, th th that is something which I think as a very 
religious society, which South Africa is, that is having a massive impact and a mm. negative impact on the way that people can live their lives and even on the contribution that the faith community is and perhaps should be making during a crisis moment. So we are absolutely, you know, understanding of government and the fact that they face very complex situations and very difficult decisions. But at the same time, uh, it is nevertheless a major sector of our society, the faith sector, mm. that government needs to take into account and needs to allow to do what it can do and should do to be a positive contributor to the solutions which this country so desperately needs. You know, Michael, I can just speak from a pastoral perspective and just the the real genuine hurt and um and 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 basically separ separation that that lockdown is creating uh, in terms of community and um, people not being able to interact with one another people not being able to see one another even on a weekly basis um is causing major problems particularly amongst vulnerable groups and um, because the longer they are dis um um distanced um from from folk that are able to take care of them and folk that need to interact with them in order to understand what their needs are, uh, the more vulnerable they're getting. And by that, I'm talking about folk who are older. I'm talking about folk who are destitute and who are struggling. Um, by not having them in community, uh, even on a Sunday, which is obviously the, the key the key time where I'm interacting with people, means that that folk who are able to assist um, vulnerable people in the, at their point of need, in their moment of need, aren't currently made aware of their needs because these social interactions aren't happening. And the longer that this takes, the, the longer that these lockdowns roll out and we are separated from one another, uh, you can almost feel community splitting away you can almost feel it breaking down um and i mean if if i'm seeing that in a small church on the east rand i would imagine when you multiply that out over all the churches in south africa uh, in a nation which is christianized many many people claim jesus christ as their lord and their savior and would choose to attend a church service as their communal activity uh, on any given week I i'm guessing that we're in for problems as this continues and as this rolls out no you're absolutely correct i mean uh, you know human beings are deeply social creatures so that's exactly what we are we we gather together and many many faiths i think all faiths that i know of have a very important aspect of community as an integral part of how they worship together and how they worship God. So you can't just separate people forever. We cannot stay masked up and locked down forever. It's just not feasible and it's just not practical. And it is completely contrary to, to nature, literally, never mind the tenets of the faith of the organ of, 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 of the faith that we believe in. Mm. But I think the problem is, of course, that, you know, yes, you and I are talking on a virtual platform on Zoom, and it's incredible what technology can do and how that can actually bridge the gap. But for the vast majority of people in this country, of course, that is simply not the case, uh, because they don't have access to the necessary broadband networks that they can sure. watch virtual services and that type of thing. And so the only opportunity that they have to celebrate their faith is in community and to have been separated from one another for such a long time uh, in a, a way that is so unnatural to just human humanity, if you like, uh, not to mention the 
instructions, even commandments of, of the faith of some of some religions, that is just not sustainable. And as, the sooner we can get back to normality, the better. Because as you say, the long-term impacts, I think there's going to be studies on this for many, many years to just see just how terribly disruptive that, has, that this has been. And you know, the, the question will, I think, also be asked historically, was the cure, so-called, worse than the actual cause? Um, and it, it, it really is, I think, something upon which the jury is out and, and, and will remain out, because th this has been, I think, one of the most serious situations that we faced. Yes, it's been highly complicated, but the sooner that the faith community particularly can get back to normality, the better at this time. So, Michael, help me out here. You, you recognize this problem. You hear um, of these kind of major concerns and, uh, and these scenarios being played out around the country. We do know that the president is addressing the nation on Sunday, if I'm correct. Uh, Michael, what do you do between, yes. between now and Sunday? Do you, do you kind of have the president's personal email and you just say, uh, dear Cyril, and, uh, and kind of type out a request? Or, or how does it actually work? How, how do you go about uh, lobbying the state on behalf of uh, so many people uh, who have asked you to speak on their behalf? Well, what we've done first and foremost is we've made sure that all the people that we do represent have read what we uh, believe is the right uh, approach to take to the president. So we have drafted a positional statement uh, in the form of an open letter. Mm. And then we have secured on an individual basis. So when we say 60 million people represented by their leaders, we mean 60 million people represented by their leaders. In mm. other words, this is a very loud voice to government. Mm. This is obviously a position that literally millions of people agree upon. And so that is the request to the president primarily the request is to please clarify the regulations because this level of confusion where police are turning up at churches um, and literally breaking up meetings, which you would think would be a, a vital part uh, of the kind of plan to get the country back on a stable footing and to you know, pray for the country to meet the practical needs of people, that should be essential. And so that's what we do. We, we, we put a very clear letter together and we do then send it to the president. Uh, we send it also to the COGTA minister um, and we send it to the um, deputy minister of cooperative, uh, uh, the deputy COGTA minister as well. And it will, of course, then go through uh, to the command council, which looks after these things. So we are just simply hoping that this voice will be taken into account by the, by the president uh, and those in authority when they are deliberating what changes to make, because they're really must be changes because the situation is unsustainable. You mm. cannot have laws which are confusing because as soon as you do, you don't know whether you're going to fall foul of the law or not. And even the police uh, don't know what law they should or should not be enforcing. And so and, and that right is now a complicating we're, we're at a time where communication needs to be clear. It needs to be laid out what, what, what we as a nation need to be doing. We all need to be pulling in the same direction. And so clarity is required. Um, can, can I point the listeners to a fantastic resource if they are wanting to get on top of this and other issues facing 
the relationship between the church and the state. If they head over to 4sa.org.za, uh, they will be able to, and this is an assumption, Michael, uh, read the positional paper that you have put together, um, and they will be able to see videos explaining a wide range of legislation, uh, which is currently up for public debate and uh, and infos, uh, information regarding what is happening around the country. Let me just repeat that uh, website. It is 4sa.org.za, um, and that's how they can connect with Freedom of Religion South Africa. Uh, did I get all the information right, Michael? Yes, you did. We also have a Facebook page, Freedom of Religion SA, uh, and we would also recommend that if you want to stay engaged and want to stay up to date with not just this, but the many other um, issues that we deal with where religious freedom rights are in jeopardy, then by all means also sign up for our newsletter. Um, and we're about to send out another newsletter, so this would be a good pitch for that. I think uh, next week we're going to have another newsletter going out, which will give a, a number of updates on a number of different important areas. So do sign up and please support us. Uh, we stand for faith and for freedom, and uh, we certainly are committed to ensuring that our religious freedom rights uh, can be upheld and protected so that we can live out and express freely uh, the faith that we that we have and that we should be very much um, allowed to enjoy and to celebrate in this nation. Well, that's excellent. Michael, thank you so much for joining. I hope that you enjoy the rest of your weekend and I look forward to speaking to you again next week, should God will it. Buck. We certainly will trust that he shall. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, brother. Enjoy your day. All Bye. right. God bless you. Bye-bye. Well, friends, I'm reminded of the words of Almighty God at the end of the flood scene in Genesis chapter 8, where he said to man, as long as the earth endures, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will not cease. Did you hear that cold? <laughs> That's what most of us woke up to this morning. Icy, chilly, cold weather. Didn't really matter where you woke up in the country. It would seem except for Cape Town. <laughs> it turns out they were having a bright and sunny day. Um, I know that most of my family stays in Klabecha. And it was raining yesterday. Praise the Lord for the rain in the Eastern Cape. Um, they were in such desperate need uh, for their catchment areas to be filled with rain and just was so excited um, to hear uh, of rain down that part of the world. If you are listening in from Abeja or from neighboring towns and countrysides, I'd love to hear about it. The way that you can tell me that you are listening in from those areas is by dropping a note uh, in the following ways. We are on WhatsApp and Telegram. Uh, if you are listening in and you would like to interact with the show this morning, if you would like to ask a question regarding God's Word, the Bible, if you would like to make a comment in terms of the conversation that we are having, uh, you can do so on WhatsApp and Telegram. The telephone number is 082. 657-2729 Love voice notes So get those voice notes rolling in uh, Joining me this morning uh, Starting the show uh, Is Vusi He is pushing the buttons And making sure that we fly And making sure that he uh, Gets those interactions uh, Into the show It's great to have you with us brother um, If you're on Facebook And you're watching the live stream Perhaps you can uh, drop comments below um, We are on the radio pulpit Radio console 
Council Facebook page. If you're on Twitter, I'm not going to tease you again. Uh, the Twitter handle is at 657am. It would be great to hear from you. Um, and right now, uh, you can just drop a high and uh, <laughs> the temperature uh, that uh, the weather is around you. I'd love to hear that. Um, and maybe if it is raining or snowing in your part of the country, tell us about it. We would love to hear. Uh, we've had a lot of comments from listeners. Guys, thank you for being so interactive this morning. Uh, let me read one or two of them out. Um, from Magda, uh, she says, uh, Happy birthday, Vainant. And uh, I am glad to hear that it is Vainant's birthday today. Happy birthday, brother. Uh, Stephen says, Good morning, Mark. Uh, that's Stephen Lear in Mulder's Drift. And the temperature there is 9 degrees. That's not so bad. Um, but when he went for his daily run this morning, it was minus 2. That's crazy. Who gets out of bed and puts on jogging shorts when it's minus 2? That's, uh, that's absolutely amazing, Stephen. My hat goes off to you. Um, Mandy says, uh, good morning, uh, two brothers in Christ. And yes, uh, you're very brave. It's four degrees in Banyero Park. Banyero Park is just down the road from, from where I am. Lovely to have you with us, Mandy. Um, very interesting topic. And uh, she says, as long as we stay as children of the utmost high God, don't get involved in this kind of looting. That's very true, Mandy. Uh, very, very true. Uh, and thank the Lord when we get to heaven that there's going to be no looting. Just praise and worship can you imagine standing before the person of jesus christ face to face being able to worship him for all eternity for his beauty and his splendor and his majesty and his wonderful sacrifice of laying down his life that others might live um yes uh, certainly even when we look at these things below and realize how messed up the world is it's always wonderful um to cast our gaze heavenward um and uh, she goes on to say let us pray for cyril that he comes to his senses and give us our church services back and all my love in Jesus uh, Mundy um, and and yes folk it's right that we pray for our president at this stage every time I, I, I watch the state of the nation addresses um, often he ends off by quoting Kosi Sikilele a beautiful hymn um, and I will post those quotes uh, onto Facebook I, I do I love our country I have a lot of admiration and respect for our president I think he is in an incredibly difficult place as he leads us through these present difficulties and so it is right for us as believers to be praying for him to be praying that God would give him wisdom as he makes decision to pray that God would give him favor with man so that as he makes good decisions the nation would pick up the plow so to speak and everyone would pull in the same direction um, it is wise to pray for our president I did see another question come through or a question come through in a comment um, and it came through on on Facebook I'm, I'm struggling to find it now but I'm, I'm fairly certain it was from Penny Penny's a long time listener Penny it's great to have you with us this morning and she didn't give the degrees where she's at she just said it is cold and she wrote the word cold with all capital letters um, accentuating just how very cold it is this morning <laughs> maybe spare a folk uh, a thought for those folk in Europe guys 
our, our winters are less than 12 weeks and this is about as cold as it gets. Can you imagine living in a world where month after month the skies are grey and it is freezing, freezing cold? Um, shame, I, 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 I pity those guys in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, isn't always easy, I'm sure, to live there. Um, Penny asked a question regarding God um, and the word regret in Scripture. Um, the idea that that God regrets decisions that have been made. Um, and I'm sure she is pointing back to, for instance, um, uh, in the book of Genesis, um, in uh, chapter 6, uh, just before the flood. So we seem to be around the flood today. Um, and we read the following in verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was on evil all of the time, was only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. And so the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created and with them the animals, the birds and the creatures that move along the ground for I regret that I have made them. We see that word translated into English twice there. Um, this word regret and, and what does that mean? What does it mean that God could possibly regret a decision that he had made <laughs> he had made humans um, does his regret of of the human race does it extend to the possibility of him making a mistake was it a mistake to make Adam and Eve and to put them into a garden and to give them a law that they weren't to eat of the tree in the center of the garden the tree of the knowledge of good and evil uh, was that a mistake or was it a mistake to make Lucifer the the archangel the great angel the the, the angel who led worship in heaven above uh, the angel of music who then fell and took one-third of the demonic host with him uh, that angel in whom sin was found who desired to be like God did did God make a mistake when he did that um, it is a great question Penny and not an easy one to start the show off but that's the question that we will begin with so firstly let's say that God did not make a mistake uh, we can see that in scripture over and over again in many places. Um, God knows the beginning from the end. Um, unlike us, we, we sit in linear time. If you had to, to draw a timeline and, uh, and put us wherever we are, the year 2021, um, we have a future in front of us and we have a past behind us and we have a present which is ever-changing. Um, as this radio show goes on, uh, we move from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock or from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock our present is constantly changing and we live in the present with the future in front of us and with the past behind us but it is not so with God God is the great I am he is Yahweh he is uh, the tetragrammaton uh, YHWH he is the great everlasting eternal God he is the beginning from the end the Alpha and the Omega um, he doesn't exist in time quite the same as we do he, he exists outside of time uh, the reason why he exists outside of time transcendent to time is because he created time <laughs> time is a thing which God made in the beginning 
God created the heavens and the earth. Time came into existence. God never came into existence, nor will he ever be snuffed from existence. And time exists within this framework which he has created. And so God sees the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He sees the beginning and the end. All of time uh, is in his control. Um, so to speak, he he sees every moment of time as if uh, as if he was in that particular time. But it's because he sits outside of time. We sit in moments of time, uh, a, a present with a future, and with a past. As such, God knew exactly what would happen in every moment of time throughout all of time. He creates Adam and Eve on day six. Uh, he knows that shortly thereafter Eve will be tempted. She will be beguiled by the serpent. She, know, uh, she knows. God knows. He knows that uh, Eve will take the fruit because she sees it will make her like God and, and that it's pleasing to the eye. And she breaks it and she gives it to Adam and Adam willfully sins and then sin comes to all man through Adam. But God knows that. He knows that will happen. How do we know that God knows that will happen? Well, firstly, it's in his name. It's, it's in this name, I am who I am. But it's also in God's revelation of himself. As we read the Bible over and over again, we see that God made a plan for man's sin even before he created the heavens and the earth, even before sin came into the picture. Uh, we read, for instance, in the book of Ephesians, that before the foundations of the world, Jesus Christ was planned to die as a substitute for man's sin. Uh, God planned that Jesus, the Son of God, uh, not created, begotten Son of God, eternally the Son, that he would come into time, that he would come into a moment of time, that he would be born of a virgin in Jerusalem, that he would live a perfect life, that he would go to a cruel cross, and on that cross he would pay the price that sin deserves, not for himself, because he was blameless, tempted in every way, and yet found to be without sin, but he would pay the price for others. Uh, it's the most marvelous thing. Before the foundation of the world, before space and time and matter came into being, God decided that Jesus would die for men. So what's happening then in Genesis chapter 6 as we read this word repeated more than once that God regrets? Well, it, the word regret uh, in this passage when used of God um, encompasses and incorporates thoughts of compassionate grief um, and action taken. Um, God doesn't regret, in other words, he, he made a mistake and, and hopes to rectify that mistake that he had made man. He regrets what man has become. He, he, he looks at, at man's sinful state, how man has spiraled after the fall. Uh, you know, as you go through Genesis chapter 4 and Cain killing Abel and murder coming into the world and how things spiral even further down in Genesis chapter 5 as Lamech takes uh, uh, two wives and how he shakes his 
fists in rebellion against God, um, saying if Cain was avenged seven times, I'll be avenged 70 times, uh, 70 times, uh, yeah, 70 times. Um, and then as you enter into chapter six, just this incredibly dirty scene, it's, it's hard to understand. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not... Um, um, for the purpose of this question I'm going to give uh, an explanation um, but we have this picture of the sons of God coming into the daughters uh, of man of Adam um, and some kind of mess happening uh, in the world and the heart of man which God can see <laughs> he can literally see the real state of our being the heart of man being continually on sin all of the time and in compassion and grief, God regrets the creation of man. Um, this is not a mistake. This is part of God's plan. He now brings the flood in judgment uh, over man. And later, um, even as the raindrops fall, takes through Noah and his family, eight people, through the flood and saves them um, in order to establish uh, a line uh, through Noah and then later through Abraham and then finally through Mary to Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, the seed who will crush the head of the statement and begin this restoration of order in the world well that was quite a long uh, answer to a relatively short question penny thank you so much for asking it um uh, penny asked the question and i'm fairly certain it was on facebook um gassy says uh, please could you send me the link uh, to a global prayer meeting i'm sure that that will happen uh, gassy someone will respond uh, to this uh, tinker says it is cold in robson uh, Robertson, is, is that down in the Western Cape uh, with snow on the Langeberg Mountains? Man, that just sounds so beautiful. Uh, Tinker, it's lovely to have you listening in with us. Um, Mandy says, Mark, I personally don't think God regretted making man. He regretted our sinful nature, unfortunately installed in us. And I, I do hope that as I explained that, uh, that came through. Uh, Mandy, that God's regret uh, really comes down to a compassionate grief and that God was never caught unawares, always sovereign, always seated on his throne, knowing the beginning from the end the whole way through. Um, uh, I do see a, a couple of folk have said thank you and I'm assuming that was for the answer. Okay, as you are listening in this morning, I, I do want to just reiterate that we are doing questions and answers. It's quarter to ten. We've got about an hour and 15 minutes left to chat <laughs> together with one another. I'm looking forward to interacting with you. Uh, I really do enjoy your questions. I always find them so insightful, so diverse. <laughs> um, it, it turns out uh, we have questions about God's words from where we actually live. Um, and it does mean that every now and again there is a curveball. But I love the questions that come from from where we are in life. I'm looking forward to hearing them. You might be asking how can you get a question in or how can you make a comment on something that you have heard online. Let me tell you how to join the conversation. Uh, WhatsApp and Telegram. The telephone number is 082 657-2729 you can send in voice notes you can send in comments via whatsapp and via telegram using uh, those details uh, you can also dial into the studio 
the number is 012-334-1322. Vusi is standing ready for your call, giving me thumbs up, saying he can't wait uh, for you to call in. Uh, you can also engage with us on Facebook. Uh, that is Radio Pulpit, Radio Council. We're currently live streaming out there, so you can even see my ugly mug. Uh, I have a, a face that was made for radio, and yet now uh, we use technology and stream it all over the place. And so you can uh, you can engage on Facebook if you drop a comment um, below the stream. I get to see it right here in studio, and do thank you for that. Um, and then on Twitter, the handle is at 657AM. Uh, Yolanda does say thank you for this uh, awesome program. Uh, and she is looking for a day link, uh, a prayer day link for tomorrow. Um, I'm sure someone will get that to you shortly. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Really love having and hearing where the listeners are. I want to just uh, tell you about an opportunity which is coming up tomorrow. Um, Christianity, I, I, I find those who are grappling with the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible written um, by 40 authors over a 1,500 year period on three different continents in three different languages and written, I mean, thousands of years ago. As people start to grapple with the Bible, as they start to to understand who God is and who He has revealed themselves, um, uh, this requires um, kind of like heavy lifting. You know, if you wanted to, if you wanted to play better rugby, can't wait for, <laughs> can't wait for the game uh, tomorrow evening. I think it's kicking off at six o'clock, South Africa against the Lions. I'm looking forward to that. But if you want to play better rugby, what do you do? You go to gym and you start lifting weights and you do cardio and you get yourself in shape in order to to play better rugby well if you want to understand god better if you want to understand god's word better one of the ways that you go to the gym one of the ways that you discipline yourself the kinds of weights that you lift um are often books Uh, we read books and so uh Tomorrow, uh, I, together with a group of young adults from Crystal Park Baptist Church, uh, I'll be leaving Crystal Park Baptist Church at 9 o'clock to take the great trek um, across the Gauteng province, <laughs> heading toward the West Rand. I don't know if that crosses the Burevos Curtain. I'm, I'm not always too sure where that, where that line where that line is. But we're going to be heading towards the West Rand of Joburg. Uh, we'll be going to a bookstore called Good Neighbors Book room um, and there we will spend about an hour talking about the kinds of genres of Christian literature we will talk about things like uh, biographies commentaries uh, lexicons systematic theologies uh, church histories and a number of different other books um, as well as identify some of the great reads um, that uh, in, in uh, that are available um, as one starts off a uh, home library and so uh, together with a number of young adults uh, from Crystal Park Baptist Church we'll be heading to Good Neighbors Bookroom uh, on the West Rand tomorrow um, and taking a look at the good books uh, that are available on that side of the world if you'd like to join us you can meet us right there uh, we will be talking about books and we will be talking about the top 10 books that I think every home library should have and I'm looking forward to that if you're listening in right now 
I would be interested to know what your favorite Christian books are. You can tell us by just dropping that into the comments. Um, uh, your favorite Christian books or the or the Christian books that you think should be in every Christian's home library. I'll get you started by telling you about my top three. <laughs> my top three books are Pilgrim's Progress, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and The Valley of Vision. Now, from time to time, uh, the 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 order of those top of those favorite three changes, but those three books have certainly had the most impact on my life. I, I'll tell you about each one of them, but I would round the top. 10 off after that with a number of different books from different genres um, but but those three books Pilgrim's Progress Fox's Book of Martyrs um, as well as Valley of Vision what are they? Um, so let's start with Pilgrim's Progress Pilgrim's Progress next to the Bible if I understand it correctly is the most printed book of all time it was written by a man named John Bunyan and this story is relatively contemporary because we see this played out around us a little bit at the moment it was written by a man named John Bunyan who was a nonconformist uh, minister he was a uh, 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 from what I understand, he was Baptistic in nature. Um, he was a preacher in England, um, and um, he refused to conform. At the time, there was uh, a series of laws that were given that required you to be registered with the state if you desired to preach the gospel uh, in churches uh, in England, and he refused. Um, to be registered as a minister in the Church of England at the time. And so as a result, he was locked up in prison. Uh, they locked him up and they literally threw away the key for years at a time. And they they followed him all the way through his life. And, and, and he was locked up a number of times and for great periods of time. How did he use his time while he sat in jail? Well, he began to write. Uh, he used whatever parchments he had. He, was, he wasn't he was a wealthy man at all, and jails were in a terrible state uh, in those years. Um, and so he faced great hardship. Um, but what he did was he, he started to write, and he wrote an allegory. Um, an allegory is a story which really represents another story, a, 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 a true story. It's, 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 it's almost like a dream that he wrote called Pilgrim's Progress. And it's the story of a man uh, who goes through his life. Uh, this pilgrim um, and it's really the story of the Christian faith a man coming to faith uh, a man um, growing in faith being exposed to the word of God growing in the things of God growing in sanctification meeting other believers spending time with them and um, being assaulted by the world um, spending time in vanity fair the, the, the world system and, and how that influences uh, pilgrim and the trials and tribulations that he comes on uh, and uh, um, it deals with persecution. Uh, he loses friends along the way. I think of two of his friends, Faith and Hope. Um, and, and it really details the story of this man all the way from his conversion all the way to his death. In fact, his death is is a particular portion of the story that I have dwelt on uh, many times uh, as I've prepared myself to meet with folk that are on their deathbed. It really is a, a very interesting picture. But Pilgrim's Progress is one of the Christian classics of all times. If, if you don't have cash to buy a book, 
Pilgrim's Progress is a old book and so it is available in the public domain you can type in Pilgrim's Progress PDF into Google and they will get you to a copy which is for free in actual fact the first time that I accessed Pilgrim's Progress I heard about it spoken on this radio show um, about I don't know 15 years ago I'm not even too sure how long ago it was um, but uh, Martin Holt at that stage uh, was taking this radio show and he was talking about Pilgrim's Progress and I went online and I found Pilgrim's Progress read um, so an audio version of Pilgrim's Progress available as a free download and I would I would listen to it as I was driving to the office uh, and home from the office each day and that was how I first accessed this great and wonderful treasure of the Christian faith I, I would encourage you to read Pilgrim's Progress if you have read it maybe you would like to give it a review um, by posting a comment on WhatsApp or Twitter or Facebook right now I'd love to read those reviews um, and uh, and I commend that book to you. The second book is Fox's Book of Martyrs, which is a I, I think possibly an odd book to find its way into a top ten of a of a pastor's library. But but for me, Fox's Book of Martyrs really changed the trajectory of my life. Um, it's the story. Um, it's the story. It is a historical account of those who have laid down their life for the Christian faith beginning at the first martyrs all the way through to the time of the Reformation um, and by the first martyrs I, I'm talking about Stephen who in Acts chapter 6 Acts chapter 7 was stoned to death with Paul watching on and, and then going on to James who had his whose head was chopped off uh, in the book of Acts and then continuing on to the the disciples um, and so it, it details how each one of the disciples died or was martyred or came under great trial and tribulation um, and then it goes on to the various different um, uh, uh, state persecutions of the Roman Empire Domitian, uh, Nero, uh, a number of the other emperors and, and it details exactly how those persecutions happened the kinds of people that died if I remember correctly Polycarp uh, burned at the stake um, and, and, and others um, and then it goes through church history um, telling the story of the martyrs through church history um, it tells of the Waldeans it tells of the reformers it tells of the reformers in various different countries France in Switzerland um, across the the sea to um, Scotland and the Presbyterian Church and then down into England um, and just constantly um, telling um, just exactly how um, folk laid down their life in order for the gospel message uh, to be promoted and to be proclaimed uh, on 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 different shores it, it, it's an incredible book and it absolutely inspired me to be more bold for Jesus Christ um, I think as a young Christian you come to faith but you don't think you know enough to tell anyone about Jesus um, and then you start to grow and your your knowledge maybe becomes a little bit bookish but when I read when I read Fox's Book of Martyrs I saw the stories of men and women who literally died for the faith and I was motivated to begin sharing my faith as boldly as I possibly could uh, recognizing that um, uh, that 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 even throughout all history God has given his people the courage to say what needed to be said to the world 
My third book is Valley of Vision, and I am going to speak about Valley of Vision after we take a short break. We're coming up now for 10 o'clock. Uh, we are going to hear a music break. We're going to listen to Brenton Brown sing We Will Worship Him, and then we'll go to some adverts. Uh, listen to We Will Worship Him by Brenton Brown. Be with you for the second hour of Table Talk with Mark. I did enjoy the first hour. Uh, we covered quite a lot of ground. Had a chat with uh, Michael uh, from 4SA. I'd encourage you to go and listen to the podcast uh, when it is available. We were speaking about just some of the difficulty that churches have been facing uh, under lockdown with regulations and regulated meetings uh, and the problems that some of the communication over the last week has caused, or should I say lack of clear communication has caused, um, and uh, their petition uh, to the president in order to clarify what is going on. Uh, we spoke about our need to be praying for our leaders and for our president in particular over this period. Just, I mean, shame, such a weight on his shoulders. Um, and at the same time, we need him to lead with excellence and we need him to lead us as a people. And so uh, we do need to be praying for him and for our country, for peace and tranquility, that the gospel can go out unhindered. Um, at the same time, we then moved to questions and answers. We spoke about does God uh, regret? Does God make mistakes? And we spoke about the person of God. We spoke about his attributes of uh, eternity. We spoke about him being transcendent outside of time. Uh, we spoke about him knowing the beginning from the end, planning Jesus Christ as a substitute even before the foundation of the world. <laughs> we spoke about um in Genesis chapter 6 when he regretted um, man it was a compassionate grief that went out uh, from him uh, and then we have started to speak about books and the reason why we're speaking about books is because tomorrow um, the young adults of Crystal Park Baptist Church and right now I think we've got uh, Yvonne and Yanel and Wagner and um, Jared and Jade and myself I think I'm bringing Thomas my son with me we are going to be going on the great trek across the uh, Ikuruleni and heading into Johannesburg and then onto the West Rand and there is a bookstore called Good Neighbors Bookroom. We're going to be heading there and we're going to be talking for uh, some time about genres of literature and how as a young person uh, you can start building toward a good library. And then I told you about my top three books uh, in terms of my my own heart, uh, my own top ten. Uh, the books are um, Pilgrim's Progress, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and Valley of Vision. And I describe Pilgrim's Progress and I describe Fox's Book of Martyrs, and that's kind of where we find ourselves for the second hour. Uh, while we've been on break, a couple of uh, comments have been coming in, and I do want to just highlight them. Uh, Shireen uh, says, Morning, enjoying the program from Cape Town. I love how many Cape Town listeners we have. Um, and so, shout out to you guys down in the Western Cape. Um, uh, Jean says, Hi, Mark. And Vussy. Hey Vussy, people say hi to you too. That's really cool, Gene. Well done. Um, we lost signal. 
just after you said Pilgrim's Progress by JB, which is John Bunyan, for about 45 seconds. Um, you know what? I spoke about that so slowly that I'm sure you picked up the signal afterwards uh, and got the gist of it. But um, but basically, I, I was encouraging people to download a free version of Pilgrim's Progress and read it or download an audio version. Lots of them are free. I think I used a site called LibriVox um, uh, at the time. Um, download a free audio book of Pilgrim's programs and listen to it um, sometimes the English can be a little bit antiquated in the older versions and so just encourage you to uh, uh, to, to listen to an audio version uh, freely available online uh, Gene we're now going to be moving on to Valley of Vision um, after I tell you about the last um, uh, oh, and, and Gene maybe can you just tell us which uh, platform you lost signal on that might really help us just to know what's going on uh, out there in the world um, and will help our technical staff uh, dig into what the problem might be I just want to highlight uh, Chrissy who says good morning Mark what is the name of the second book that you mentioned many thanks for your amazing program it is amazing the technology that allows us to talk um, and, and get great information out is fantastic I get really excited about radio uh, Chrissy is out of Wattington near Oxford in England great to have you with us and she can't wait for the rugby um, I guess Chrissy could be a guy uh, maybe he can't wait for the rugby uh, tomorrow and hope that South Africa will do very well so do I <laughs> so do I um, I am rooting for the box and uh, looking forward to watching the game with my uh, family tomorrow. Uh, thank you for the program, uh, says uh, Christian. Uh, a book that had an impact on me was The Calvary Road by Roy Henson. Uh, and we also got from Stephen, this is Stephen Lear, I'm sure just, and Stephen, I'm going to say long time listener because you've been commenting quite a bit uh, over the couple of weeks and it's really good to have you with us. Just finished reading The Transforming Power of the Gospel by Jerry Bridges. i got to tell you, um, that book had an incredible impact on my heart. Um, uh, the Transforming Power of the Gospel by Jerry Bridges really tells you how to fight sin. <laughs> and I read it a few years ago, and uh, I think up until then, I thought fighting sin just meant that you were struggling. <laughs> you were in a, in a moment of sin in your life. And after reading The Transforming Power of the Gospel, I, I really recognized the presence of the Holy Spirit in my own life. And how the Holy Spirit desires for me to be sanctified and he desires to fight for my sanctification. I'm thinking of Galatians chapter 5 right now. Um, and I began fighting sin in a renewed way and with a renewed hope. Uh, I, I've seen great victory in my life over the last couple of years after reading The Transforming Power of the Gospel by Jerry Bridges. Thanks for highlighting that book. I, I, got, a, I got a free copy of that book uh, from Tommy van der Volt from uh, Imprint, uh, previously Ecclesia Africa uh, from Imprint. Uh, they printed out hundreds and hundreds of those books and allowed Crystal Park Baptist Church to distribute um, books both to kind of church friends uh, as well as within our own local church. And uh, what a blessing um, that book was. Great book. Um, thank you so much for highlighting it, Stephen. Um, even before I start speaking about the third book that really has impacted me, I would like to give you the opportunity to send in book reviews for any of those three books. Uh, that is John Bunyan's Pilgrim's 
uh, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Um, uh, that is Fox's Book of Martyrs, uh, John Fox. Um, and then the last one is Valley of Vision. You can send in book reviews on those three books or other books which have really impacted your life um, in the following ways. On WhatsApp or Telegram, the number is 082-657-2729. Get those voice notes rolling in. Love to hear your voice. On Facebook, uh, Radio Pulpit. Radio Console is the Facebook page um, and you can comment down below on the um, on the stream. I actually see your comments even if you even if you make a comment later on in the day or later on in the week uh, there's a team of people here involved in social media. They are excellent and they send me emails and say Mark so and so has asked a question would you consider responding to them and I will either answer your question even if you make it later on in the week um, or bring your question into next week's show um, so please uh, don't feel constrained only to comment over the next hour um, and then on Twitter if you would like to um, engage with, with us on Twitter the Twitter handle is at 657am and then the studio line if you'd like to call in and, and have a chat is 012-334-1322 uh, looking forward to engaging with you. Uh, Chrissy's come back and said, no, I'm a South African woman who loves rugby and cricket and we are winning all over the place at the moment. Um, I was listening to the news as I travelled into studio this morning and got so excited. I mean, I, to be honest with you, is T20 actually cricket? I guess that's where you've got to start with that question. Um, but, I, but I got excited when South Africa won. We've been playing against Ireland. We have taken the series. Yay! And... Uh, and uh, yeah, we still got a game in hand. So well done to the South African team, um, winning all the way over in Ireland. Uh, great to hear that you guys are doing so well. Oh, I'm assuming they're playing in Ireland. Uh, is it away or is it? Yeah, Vusi doesn't know. Maybe he'll look that up. Um, either way, uh, it's always cool when we win uh, uh, in our sporting code soccer. <laughs> You're next. Um, but rugby tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Thanks for commenting, Chrissy. I, I want to tell you about the third book, which I would put into my top three. Um, and by the way, if I was, and then after this, I'll tell you which book I'd take with me to a desert island if I was by myself and had two years with only one book in hand. Um, but in my top three, my third book would be Valley of Vision. Valley of Vision. Now, that is a relatively new title. The other two books were literally written hundreds of years ago um, uh, by during the Reformation period and just post-Reformation period. Uh, they are absolute classics and they are regarded as classics across the evangelical world. Um, Valley of Vision is a relatively new title by way of comparison. Um, it is compiled by an author, uh, Arthur Bennett, um, and it is a collection of Puritan prayers. Uh, and I stand corrected, but I'm guessing it was published in the last 50 years. I, I, I might be wrong about that, but, but I'm going to go with the last 50 years. And when I say a, a, a compilation, a collection of Puritan prayers, uh, really what, what Arthur Bennett did was he, he went out, he subsequently passed away. So, so now it can come into the, into the area of Christian classic. But, but, but what he did was he, he went out and he studied the Puritans. Um, so when we talk about the Puritans, we're talking about that group of 
people um, who really were known. It was a movement. Um, it was a movement of uh, that. I, I'm now. I hope I get this right. Started off in the Church of England. It was those who were really looking for a renewal uh, within the Church of England, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, but post Reformation. Um, and the the Puritans um, were were very word based, focused on God's word. In fact, um, some of what we we do on the East Rand, we have expositors forums where we come together as pastors and we evaluate our sermons and those kinds of things. The Puritans actually did. I, I, I heard that when I heard a man named Joel Beakey talking about the, the Puritans and talking about how they engaged with one another and improved one another and had a great focus on preaching, expository preaching um, and other types of preaching uh, and and a desire to get people bedded in God's word, but how God's word changed changed life. Um, great focus on sanctification um, and on life reformation. Now the Puritans include names such as uh, John Owen. Um, I, I think you could quite easily put Jonathan Edwards in the Puritan camp as possibly one of the the latter Puritan. Uh, Puritans, although he was on the American continent rather than on the English side, um, but John Owen, John Bunyan himself was a Puritan, um, uh, and such. Um, and the Puritans, their writings are incredible. I, I recently read a book by John Owen for the second time, which my friend Rocky Stevenson from Benoni Bible Church lent to me, um, uh, The Glory of Christ. Uh, I think is the title excellent amazing insight uh, these guys were really at the top of the their game in terms of the renewal uh, which was going through the church at the time now what Arthur Bennett did was he, he spent a lot of time reading many of the Puritan writers and then collecting their writings and collecting their prayers together and producing a book which is a collection of prayers, but not necessarily from any one Puritan. Um, even the prayers themselves aren't necessarily from one Puritan. Sometimes it's a compilation of, of writings and sayings and quotes from many Puritans, collecting them into subject matter first, and then after subject matter, um, writing them as prayers. And they're they're written in in kind of poetic language often there's uh, there's some poetry Arthur Bennett clearly is a good lit literary um, man himself um, there's couplets and there's stanzas and he, he does an excellent job of compiling these prayers and they're around subject matter so there will be a prayer for the morning a prayer for the evening a prayer which focuses on the trinity a prayer which focuses on god the father and the son and the holy spirit a, a prayer which focuses on christians gathering corporately a prayer which focuses on adoration on confession on thanksgiving on supplication and so it goes on each one of these prayers on a specific subject now a couple of years ago, through a very kind donation um, from Banner of Truth Trust, which is a publisher which which really puts out just some of the best reformed writing, um, uh, they they produce it and they they put it out. Uh, the great trustworthy. 
um, uh, production house. Um, but through a very kind donation, they sent a couple of hundred copies of leather-bound Valley of Visions um, to South Africa and uh, and allowed us to distribute those on their behalf. And, and I kept one for myself. I can remember sending one down to my dad in Port Elizabeth where it is raining at the moment. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, and, and I started going through the Valley of Vision. Well, it really has transformed the way that I pray. Um, the the prayers are so deep, so meaningful, so focused, um, uh, so scripture saturated, um, so heart um, drawing uh, that it has really changed the way that I pray to Almighty God. I, I've loved this book, The Valley of Vision. And so when I talk about my top three books, that would be them. Um, Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, Fox's Book of Martyrs by John Fox and those first two books you can download both of them in audio format for free um, if you google them um, or both of them you can download uh, for free off the internet in PDF form because both of them are in the public domain um, but those two books I have multiple copies of both of those books in different libraries one at home and one at the church and then the third book would be Value of Vision now let me say that Value of Vision is very accessible as well I, I mean I I have a, a beautiful copy of the book and I, I know that Valley of Vision you could pick, pick up at a good Christian bookstore and let me tell you two that I know it would be at um, and that would be Good Neighbors Bookroom as well as Augustine Bookroom here in Pretoria. Uh, I have no doubt you could pick up copies of Valley of Vision there. But you can actually access all of the content of Value of Vision on the Banner of Truth website. So that is banneroftruth.org. If you type in Banner of Truth into Google and hit enter, probably the first link that comes up would be banneroftruth.org. Uh, if you go through to that, um, on the left-hand side, as you scroll down, um, the kind of featured... Um, one of their featured books uh, is the Valley of Vision, and they have the Valley of Vision book. Uh, they they've actually uploaded a digital version um, of all the Valley of Vision content. A couple of really good commendations from from friends and from men that I respect uh, regarding the Valley of Vision. I, I can see that uh, Ligon Duncan, who is one of my favorite Presbyterians, a great preacher and a very warm-hearted man. I met him a few years ago and uh, uh, he's just a, he's a, he's an impossible guy not to just like. Ligon Duncan gives the Valley of Vision a uh, sterling recommendation. Mark Dever, who I really, really appreciate. He wrote the book Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, which has had a massive impact on Crystal Park Baptist Church. Uh, he wrote Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. He says this of Value of Vision. When used slowly for meditation and prayer, these pages have often been used by God's Spirit to kindle my dry heart. I love that, Mark. Uh, it's a, that's a that's a beautiful endorsement um, from a, from a really excellent man, D. A. Carson, who is a theologian and and really on the on the cutting edge of much of the theological conversation, uh, which happens, uh, says this: the prayers in the Valley of Vision are steeped in Scripture, yet never succumb to mere formula. They are theologically fresh and vibrant, yet they are rooted in confessionalism. They range over a huge sweep of Christian experience and devotion. 
but they never merely uh, esoteric or cute. They brim with deep emotion and transparent passion, but they carefully avoid mere sentimentalism. This is a book that teaches readers to pray by example. Uh, I, I really like that that. Um, uh, that endorsement as well. Um, as I've been talking, a couple of uh, interactions have come in. Uh, for example, as Stephen says, what time do you think that you will be at Good Neighbors? Just spoken to my wife and we would like to meet you. That's that's cool. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm guessing we're going to leave at 9 sharp, uh, Crystal Park Baptist Church, jump in the car. I drive like an old lady. <laughs> <laughs> never go over the speed limit normally I'm 20 k's an hour um, beneath um, and I'm guessing it's about a 65k trip uh, no traffic on a Saturday I hope to get there by about 10 to 10 so let's say 10 o'clock to be safe that that, that sounds like a like a good uh, a good arrival time uh, to good neighbors and I'm certainly looking forward to that uh, Teresa long time listener Hey, have we got that jingle, that that, that sound of uh, cymbals clashing yet um, for long-time listeners? <laughs> Fussy, we've got to organize that. But Teresa says, greetings all. Speaking of books, how can one determine if a book is actually worth reading and will benefit their spiritual growth? Teresa, that's a great question. We definitely will be covering that tomorrow. I don't mind talking a little bit about that uh, today, but we're going to we're going to talk about how to find um, a good books, and we're going to talk about how to identify a. Uh, we, we're going to talk about how to identify a um, a uh, good um, a good bookstore. But in the meantime, Teresa, as long time listener, you get the first applause. Uh, <laughs> well done, brother. It's good to have you with us. Um, so we're going to be talking about that tomorrow, but but I will I will engage a little bit around that question. You go on to say that there are a lot of bestsellers <laughs> and apparent well-known authors who are popular. Should one look forward to something about your best life now? Uh, uh, we'll, we'll touch on that shortly, Teresa. That's a cheeky question with a big smile on my face. Should one promote the idea of reading books that have folks taking trips to heaven and hell and kind of give your thoughts asking for a friend thanks in advance great questions let me start off with the heaven and hell uh, question friends god's word says in the book of hebrews that it is appointed for man to die once and thereafter judgment um, the idea of people dying and going to heaven and coming back and getting onto the top 10 list of Wall Street uh, or whatever is the best-selling list that's out there um, is is really an insult to what God's Word speaks. Um, th th that's the first point, is that we die and then face judgment. The second point is this. Um, we don't need books that tell us about people's um, fake stories of going to heaven or hell. We have 66 books in the Bible. We have a cannon which is closed. By cannon, I don't mean a big gun that goes boof. Um, the, the cannon really means a measure. It's a rule. It's a standard. It's a line that has been drawn. We, we have 66 books which God has given us perfectly preserved, uh, perfectly 
uh, preserved in heaven and faithfully preserved here on earth. And they tell us everything that we need for life and for godliness. Um, the Apostle Peter tells us that, that, that we have everything that we need for life and for godliness. We don't need the story of a six-year-old child who goes to heaven and has a chat with his grandfather and then comes back to earth in order to give us new revelation. We have all the revelation we need to glorify God in this life. And so if the bookstore that you go to has um, yellow covered books um, with stories of heaven and hell uh, in a special section, and this that section is marked heresy, it's probably not a great bookstore. <laughs> so that would be a good start. Um, there are a lot of bestsellers and apparent well-known authors who are popular. That's true. Um, the reality is people gather to themselves um, teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears long to hear. <laughs> so should one look forward to something about your best life now? Now, I'm not actually going to speak directly to that book because I haven't read it. Um, I've read quite a bit about it, but uh, let me not talk to that particular title right now. Um, let me rather say this, that just because a book is in the top 10 of any secular or Christian uh, standard doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good book. What you're looking for in a good book is a book which is scripture saturated. A book needs to point needs to be absolutely based on God's word and it needs to point you to the person of Jesus Christ. If a book is pointing you towards yourself that you're great <laughs> and that your your life needs to be great or or it is or it doesn't spend most of its time drawing from Scripture in order to make its main points. That is a key sign and indicator that this book, rather than being a Christian book, is is probably going to be filled with uh, with secular ideas or philosophy or psychology that is extra biblical. What you're looking for is authors who spend their time drawing what they say from God's Word and then applying it into our current um, uh, context. Um, I think I, I, I read a quote or read a, a author, a Christian author, speaking about Christian books a couple of years ago. And he said, what you're really looking is on each page of the book, you should be seeing at least five or six scriptures um, on average. That way you know that what you're reading is ultimately derived from God's word and is pointing you uh, toward the person of Jesus Christ. That would be a, that would be one good way of evaluating a book. Um, uh, yeah, and um, uh, thanks for those questions. Um, and, and then in terms of um, the benefits towards spiritual growth, well, different books you read for different reasons, Teresa. It, it actually is a great observation. Some books you read for information. So for example, um, if I'm going to be preaching on a new book, I'm currently thinking about preaching a series through the book of Haggai. Uh, it's a really short uh, book, uh, two chapters, and it has four natural divisions in it because there's a series of visions which are given uh, to Haggai. Um, and I'm, I'm looking for series that are about that length at the moment so that we can assimilate people back into church attendance uh, and so that we can help new people um, jump on board uh, at the beginning of series. So I'm thinking about Haggai. I might be thinking about the book of Judges in the back of my mind because I could 
do a, a series on each individual judge and work through that book um, at, at a relatively slow pace because that's kind of how I preach. That's how I roll. Um, but but as I'm looking at those books, those books were written in Hebrew. They were written uh, in Israel. They were written uh, 3,000 plus years ago. Um, my problem is that I'm separated by them or from them geographically, linguistically, culturally. I have such separation from those books that, that what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read an Old Testament uh, primer uh, around culture or around language or around um, uh, a, a, a book which will give me insight into what was happening socio-economically, politically at the time of the writing of those books so that I can familiarize myself with what the author was presently going through as he penned his words. Now that book, now going through that kind of historical context isn't necessarily going to inflame my heart and cause me to ascend into rapturous praise. <laughs> uh, I mean, that kind of book is chiefly for information for my head so that as I come to God's word, I can understand God's word better in order to relay it to God's people. So not every single book is going to have the same spiritual benefit or assist me in the same way in terms of growth. Um, in terms of um the books that I mentioned, for instance, I, I mentioned three books that really have had a massive impact on, on my spirit. Uh, a book on prayer, Valley of Vision. Uh, a, a book on the Christian life and the hardships and, and how to grow. Um, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. A, a book on persecution in the church, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Now, each one of those had a massive impact on my heart. Uh, even the transforming power of the gospel that Stephen mentioned uh, earlier, massive impact on my heart. But not every single book is going to affect my heart and affect my life in the same way. Um, uh, some books uh, certainly uh, do grow our knowledge of God's Word, and other books um, really help us to live out God's Word. But ultimately what you're looking for in a book is a book which is based on God's Word and points us toward the person of Jesus and the exaltation of Christ in one way or another. And let me not underestimate the reality that we need to be reading the Bible. <laughs> so don't read books about the Bible at the expense of reading the Bible. Um, and so in order to make sure that I'm taking in daily doses of scripture reading. Um, I'm part of a WhatsApp group, uh, which you can find, I think, on our website, or you can find on Facebook. Uh, we often uh, post links to it, where we read through the New Testament every single day, um, portions of the New Testament, normally between one and three chapters, uh, and we work through uh, from Matthew, we go through to the book of Revelation, um, and then once we finish, we cycle back and we start at Matthew again. And so we read through the New Testament once every three months on that platform. I read through the Old Testament on a different platform personally in my own devotion and my own reading and at my own pace at the moment. But I do make sure that you read the Bible first <laughs> so that you can evaluate other books through the lens of the Bible. And then the books that you read about the Bible ultimately need to be drawn from God's Word um, and point us to the person of Jesus Christ. Look, as we've been talking, a couple of um, um, reviews have come through and I, I, I do want to read them. Um, Christine says, uh, an Afrikaans book 
Christen Vies van Dach by Jan Hanekom, published by Babel Koer, was such a good Bible study that I did as a teenager. Lost the book with an exclamation mark. Don't you hate it when that happens? I'm constantly giving my books away. So like somebody will come into my library, uh, into my study. I have a study at church, uh, which is just a couple of chairs and a a whole lot of bookshelves. uh, And we will have a chat. And then whatever we chat about, I'll go, oh, I've got a fantastic book that you can read on that. And then I'll give away all my favorite books. Um, But praise the Lord. um, He does replenish those. Um, But Christine lost the book. And does someone perhaps know where I can get one again? So shout out to anyone who's listening. If you have heard of Christine Vies van Dach um, by Jan Hanekom. Um, and it was published by Babel Quir. If you can, uh, if you can maybe give a shout out on the Facebook page, uh, that is a public page. Uh, uh, Christine can possibly uh, get in contact with that. If I hear anything, I'll I'll WhatsApp you back. Uh, Tinker says, "I have so many favorite books that have impacted my life. Praise the Lord!" But Andrew Murray's book, With Christ in the School of Prayer, is the book I read again and again. Um, And then goes on to say, yes, I agree. Rather read the word that is alive. And it is alive. I mean, we we have the very words of God. in our possession it is the most amazing thing in our language so accessible to us Uh, as we as we read uh, God's word the 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 joy of it uh, is that it is living and that it is active and that it is sharper than a double-edged blade and then it penetrates right right into us uh, that it divides a bone and marrow and and it strikes right into our heart. God's word is absolutely incredible. I was speaking to a friend uh, this week, and we were just talking about portions of God's word that have caused us to weep. Um, and I can truthfully say, yo, I've wept over many portions of God's word as God has spoken to my heart. Um, often I'll come to Psalms, particularly during this very difficult period that we're going through as a as a country. Um, you, you know, we, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I, I was saying to someone as I walked into studio today, we, we have, we've lost four members of our church. Four members have died since the beginning of the pandemic. We're not a massive church. That That's a large number of people. And if you think about it, each one of those people are connected to family and connected to friends. That's a whole lot of heartache um, for our community. And it has meant that I have had to preach a number of funerals over that period. Um, and that's even beyond uh, just our membership base. We, we've had other people who are just at, who attend our church but haven't committed to membership. Uh, we have other people who are friends or members of the community uh, who have passed away and I've needed to do a funeral. I, I try um, uh, through my pastorate life, um, try and, and, and prep. I, I can't remember a time when I haven't prep a, a new a new um, a message for each funeral which I've taken. Um, and so I've been turning to the Psalms over and over again over this period as I have prepared my heart and prepared to preach to people um, of the love of Jesus even in the midst of this present hardship, of the sovereignty of God um, and yet of the tender care of God in the midst of all the difficulties and turmoils that we faced. Um, I have wept over Psalms. Most recently, wept over Psalm 33, a beautiful psalm uh, which talks of the high praise of God and singing a a new song in our heart to him uh, and then just 
turns to these unbelievable attributes of God, he, his, he, his incredible perfections and, and God's sovereignty over nations and God's uh, sovereignty in terms of creation and then finally turns to God's tender care even for me, I got to that point, I couldn't hold back tears, mainly because the person uh, whose funeral I was preaching at had, had selected that psalm for their funeral. Um, oh, I was just absolutely broken in half as I just remembered God's care for me as an individual. What a beautiful beautiful thought um, and so as I've gone through Psalms I've wept as, as I read the book of John I try and once a year I'll go to the book of John and I'll try and read it a number of times over a short space of time I, I used to um, over a period of a month try and read the book of John once a day for a month um, and, and when I get to the high points in the book of John nothing can hold back those tears and that joy of being in God's word when when you read of Thomas standing before Jesus Christ and declaring my Lord and my God <laughs> as the high point of that uh, of that book I, I'm just cut in half as you read of Christ's sacrifice dying on a cross as you read Jesus Christ's high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 uh, as you read of just you know amazing moments as he spent with his disciples loving them their hard-headedness I've seen myself in those disciples so many times um, but as Jesus interacts with them I, I've been cut to the heart um, and so as I've gone through much of scripture I've been uh, affected by it because you are right Christine it is living and it is active and it is amazing oh sorry tinker um, it is living it is active um, and it stirs our hearts and our our spirits respond to God's word um, what a wonderful um, what a wonderful book and so yeah even as we speak about books this morning uh, my encouragement to you would be to start with God's word um, I'm not going to say that you have to read God's word first in the morning but many people do because that is a good time to read God's word do you know how I read God's word? Um, I wake up in the morning at around six o'clock. That's when my my body clock uh, uh, starts ticking, and uh, I I kind of peek my nose out of the covers in uh, winter, um, and I grab my laptop computer and I put it on my lap and I fire it up, and I open to a website. I actually have it in front of me at the moment. Bible Gateway, um, BibleGateway dot com. And I type in whatever passages of scripture I'm going to be reading for the day. And then I click audio. And that allows me to both read and simultaneously hear God's word. I find that is, the, that is often the easiest way uh, for me to read with understanding. I, I find sometimes when I, when I just read, my mind dawdles around. Uh, and I don't have clarity um, as I end reading of what I have covered. Um, I find that if I read and listen at the same time, maybe it's the use of two senses, um, I have a lot more focus and I have better retention of the information which I've covered. And so I listen to God's word and I read God's word uh, when I wake up. That works for me. But at different times in my life, I did access God's word in different ways. <laughs> there was a time where I worked in Bryanston uh, at a at a company in the in the middle of Santon, and I was living in Benoni, and they were building those ridiculous highways. Now the highways are wonderful now that they finished building them, but it took them like three years. And during that time, 
traffic was an absolute mess. I had a two-hour commute to work, and I had a two-and-a-half-hour commute home. It was terrible. Um, but what I would do is I, I would um, listen to an audio Bible, and in two two hours, two and a half hours, you can listen to a whole lot of God's Word. Um, I, I would, at the same time, uh, go to LibriVox. I don't even know if that website is still available. And I would download classics and read classics. So, um, you know, over that period, I was able to read, as I said, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and I was able to read, or listen, should I rather say, uh, to Pilgrim's Progress. I, and I, I even listened to Charles Darwin's Origin of Species. It's got an incredibly long title. I'm never going to remember it offhand. Um, but I listened to a couple of other classics um, that are available in the public domain and can be downloaded as audiobooks. Um, I, I enjoyed over that period accessing scripture in that way um, and other books. Um, and yeah, different times in, in my life accessed scripture in different ways. I would encourage you to read God's word, to read it and enjoy it and be built up by it. And then I would encourage you to read good books. Um, one, day, one way that you can find good books that I haven't spoken about yet. And uh, if you're still listening, Teresa, this I would really encourage you to do is there is a very well-known blogger. He actually came to South Africa a couple of years ago and came and spoke at uh, Crystal Park Baptist Church. I'm not too sure if you were there at the time, uh, Teresa. Uh, his name is Tim Challies. He's a Canadian. Canadians are good people, eh? Um, he's a Canadian. And um, what he does is he's a prolific reader. I mean, he's an absolute bookworm, a real nerd. My, my kid's constantly call me a nerd because I spend so much time reading books um, he's a real real nerd he reads prolifically and then he drops uh, book reviews uh, on his blog at chalice.com um, and I have found his book reviews so incredibly helpful sometimes he's helped me not to read a book that I thought I was going to read because <laughs> upon review I've realized that hey, it wasn't the subject matter I thought or doesn't deal with the subject matter in the way that I thought or maybe it just wasn't a very good book um, and other times he's pointed me to excellent books uh, that I can read so chalice.com and he's got all kinds of things on his blog I think if I remember correctly he's got a book reading program like the top 100 books you should read uh, in your lifetime and you can read through book after book and just tick them off um, he's got books on particular genres like church history biographies um, systematic theologies and uh, you can see books ranked in various different genres and he has a really good um, uh, doctrine himself uh, you know just in terms of interacting with him and talking to him he's got his head screwed on right a good trustworthy source that's a place that I would go to uh, in order to um, in order to find good books Gene says Mark can you please spell the Canadian book reviewer I can uh, it's incredible how quickly <laughs> information pops up on the screen and uh, thanks for the question i've i've gone to his uh, blog it is chalies c h a l l i e s dot com chalies dot com tim chalies is the blogger author and book reviewer and uh, i certainly can um endorse um 
that website. Um, lots of excellent, excellent content. Um, you know, just running across the top in terms of his menu system, uh, book reviews and articles is right at the top. And he gives latest reviews, books, uh, reviews by categories. And then he gives recommendations on holiness and leadership pornography, prayer, and a number of other topics. Um, well worth stopping over at chalies.com. C-H-A-L-L-I-E-S. Uh, thanks for that clarification, uh, Jean. Folk, we're coming now for yeah, just the last 10 minutes of the show. Um, we need to kind of wind down and uh, slow down and uh, recognize that... Uh, um, that, that those of you who are listening in are in various different places right now geographically in terms of your life um, as a country we are going through an incredibly hard time we really are um, all over our land people are hurting and for a range of reasons you know before the rioting the looting started we were already a country of immense, immense socio-economic disparity. Um, the very wealthy and the very poor and not a lot in between. Um, we were a country with political tensions before the rioting and the looting happened. And I'm not a political commentator, so I'm not going to talk about you know what might have started the, the, the rioting and the looting beyond the, the fact that we are a fallen race in Adam. Um, but, but we had political tensions in our land even before the rioting and the looting started. We had real economic, even when we go beyond the economic disparity, but we had economic difficulties, even in the, the middle class, even for those of you who are working or small to medium business owners, we had major difficulties before we entered into this terrible season uh, in terms of our democratic experiment, um, uh, this, this present season. Um, people under real pressure. Can I go so far as to say that we are a nation that was struggling with social difficulties before the rioting and the looting happened? We have got high levels of gender-based violence in our land, high levels of violence to children, um, high levels of sexual immorality within the framework of what should be family units. Um, high levels of all kinds of social crime and contact crime in our land. And that was before the violence and the looting started. The, the truth is, South Africa's problem isn't just looting. South Africa's problem is, is far deeper seated uh, than that. We have major problems as a country. Uh, we have religious problems in our land. Um, the truth is that the church, by and large, has grown cold-hearted. Um, I think of the church in Laodicea, which was neither hot nor cold, and Jesus threatened to spit them out of his mouth. Well, the truth is that could very well describe the church in South Africa. We are a lukewarm bunch of people at best. Um, in so many ways, um, as, a, as a nation, we need renewal. <laughs> we need revival. As I think of our country and I think beyond economics and I think beyond politics and I think beyond social ills uh, and I just think of the hearts of man 
we seem to be prone toward wickedness in every single way. And my mind is cast back to Genesis chapter 6 as God observed the wickedness of man in that chapter and regretted um, in every way was compassionate but compassionately grieved at what he beheld and then judgment came on the people of the world a worldwide flood as as God obliterated however millions of people were in the world at that time friends we do need to understand that that God is a just God that he is a holy God that our God is a God who is separated from sin and a God who is separated from sinners. And that is a frightful thought um, in terms of the, the words of an author who I spoke about earlier, Jonathan Edwards. He, he wrote a, an incredibly important sermon uh, at the start of the Great Awakening um, in uh, America uh, entitled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And it is right that we recognize that God hates sin and we as a nation are sinful in so many ways. Friends, for those of you who are believers, can I ask, please be praying for our land beyond prayers for our leaders for wisdom in order to negotiate and and find uh, a peaceful solutions and tranquility in this moment we don't just need to be a peaceful land we don't just need to be a prosperous land we don't just need i i heard that uh, because of the the present writing um our our forecast in terms of gdp growth as a country have been revised down um by the reserve bank um and lending rates remain at 3.5% which is the lowest in five decades but beyond economic prosperity and asking that god would give us some relief uh, there are other prayers that need to be prayed for our land um, I sent to my friend, I, I mentioned him earlier in the show, um, Rocky Stevenson. He has a great heart um, for for children, uh, for abandoned children, for those who are in need of adoption. Uh, and I sent him a, a, a stat sheet which I'd received from Open Door Africa, um, Open Home Africa, sorry, uh, my friends Khachelo and Safiso Pule, uh, who are involved in that organization. Uh, a stat sheet of the realities of abandonment and the need for adoption uh, worldwide because of the pandemic and because of the consequences of the pandemic and just how the fear is in our country where um, sometimes the social um, uh, the social mechanisms in our land grind so slowly and yet the need for adoption and for places of safety and for those who would foster is so great um, we need to pray for the social Ill, ills of our land but we don't just have a social problem we don't just have a political problem we don't just have an economic problem friends we have a heart problem as a country we need to pray that God would renew our hearts, that he would move in so many places, hearts that are stone cold, 
dead in trespasses and sins and give people beating living hearts which have been which have been exposed to Jesus Christ and the gospel and have placed their faith and their trust in him we need to pray that God would do what only God can do and that save the hearts of men all over our country we need to pray that God would renew his church that his spirit would be evident amongst us, that we would burst for love for God. God loved us and so therefore we love him. But that love for him causes an overflow of love in our hearts to spill out toward our neighbors, toward the people that are around us. Yes, toward the household of God first. We must do good for all men, but but we need to begin in the household of God. We, we need to love um, believers all over our country, but but beyond that, we need to love our country. We need to love the people in our country. And the best way we can love them, even in the midst of this present crisis, is share the gospel message with them. Because friends, every day, I heard of a man who died in a fire uh, yesterday, uh, 33 people that were left homeless. Every day men and women die and then pass over into eternity without a hope in hell because they go into that eternity without a savior, without a redeemer, without a friend in Christ. Our faith and our trust for those of us who have faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior should compel us in Christian love, both for God and for his glory's sake, as well as for the people around us, should compel us to share the gospel that Jesus died as a substitute for sins. We spoke about that earlier in the show, that God before the foundation of the world planned that his son would be a substitute, that he would die in the place of sinners that he rose from the grave in victory over death can you believe it jesus christ has risen again hallelujah and if jesus has risen as first fruits uh, of salvation then surely we can have a hope that god will raise us from the dead that jesus died for our sins that he rose from the grave and that all men everywhere whether they be in Kabecha where it is raining, whether they be in Cape Town where it is sunny, or whether they be in Benoni where it is really, really cold today, wherever they might be, might repent, turn from sin and put faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Our friends, that's what South Africa needs. It desperately needs it. The people all over our country need it. Never mind where you are listening to this message from. And even further afield, if you are in England, we have had people... um, Uh, in other parts of Europe uh, uh, commenting today never mind where you are at you need Jesus Christ this world is filled with trials and tribulations but it compares nothing (laughs) nothing to the to the to the judgment which is to come and for the eternity which awaits we said early in the show that it is appointed for all men to die once and thereafter judgment and God is a righteous judge But his justice is made manifest and evident as his son Jesus Christ pays for the sins of sinners just like you and like I. 
Even in closing, let me say that our prayers do go out to the elders and the deacons holding the line in local churches all across our country, recognizing that you are serving in difficult times. Our hearts are with you, as well as to missionaries who are serving in foreign fields, recognizing that there are many missionaries in South Africa. We we thank God and praise God for you. And then we praise God for missionaries that we have been able to send out uh, to the four corners of the world. Our prayers and our respects must go to first responders all over South Africa um, working in difficult situations right now, particularly those in KwaZulu-Natal and in Gauteng where there is violence. Police, our defense force, for those who dispense justice, for our firefighters, our paramedics, our nation's nurses and our nation's medical personnel, thank you for the job that you are doing. Our prayers are with you, as well as for correctional service officers, uh, much in the news of late. You've been listening to Table Talk with me, your host, and Vusi on the dials. We're going to be going to news now, and so until next week, Friday, walk wisely, live holy, and testify zealously. God bless.